What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Today we are being joined by one of the best in the business, one of the most accurate draft rankers last year. He wasn't ranking drafts, he was ranking players for your drafts. He's Jacob Gibbs of Sportsline. We will get to him in just a minute. Uh, my task today is to put the proper title on the episode. Yesterday we did the eight toughest players to rank. The title I gave the show was The Eight Toughest Players to Watch, which is a completely different show. Maybe an episode. <laughs> maybe an episode we could do a little what? bit later. Yeah. That sorry. sounds like a good show. Yeah, that does. Uh, that's Jacob Gibbs that you just heard from Sportsline. Um, we're going to tell you about Sportsline. Absolutely outstanding content, and you can get your first month for $1, and it's only $9.99 after that. You go to sportsline.com and join with the promo code HUDDLE. First month for a dollar. For incredible fantasy advice, gambling advice, great stuff. Jacob Gibbs, welcome back. We've had you on before. How you doing? Doing good, Adam. Yeah, I, I really appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, always psyched to have the opportunity to uh, nerd out with some other people who think the way I do about football. I think my friends and family are probably tired of me trying to talk about DJ Shark. <laughs> so uh, it's it's good to have some people who are equally excited that sports are right around the corner. Absolutely. And uh, I've never seen you before, so I see you right now on Zoom. Wearing a Sportsline shirt. This is what it's like when people say, you look so much different than I thought, you yeah. know, from your voice. But we have a great email later. Adam, Somebody, didn't you say that Jacob looked like he was like a big fat dude with glasses <laughs> and a goatee? <laughs> Jacob, that, is that who I said that about? I think you said that that's what you thought Jacob Gibbs looked like. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it was, I, no, I guess he looks I, pretty cool, actually. Yeah. It looks like he doesn't belong on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have an email that I wanted to read. Somebody said um, they are they know who, who to cast in the movie about fantasy football today. They've picked actors for all of us. Okay. So that'll come later. But uh, we also, a couple other things we're going to do today. We're going to look at handcuffs. Which running backs are worth handcuffing? Who's the guy to get? How good could that player be? I'm going to ask you about handcuffing wide receivers. I think it makes a lot of sense if you draft Tyree Kill to take Nicole Hardman, for example. We'll see what the guys think about that. Um, and, you know, last year we had an email about Drew Brees, who's always great at home, and who you could pair him with that had good matchups when Brees was on the road. I don't remember if, if we came up with it or if the emailer came up with it, but the answer we gave was Lamar Jackson. So hopefully, you know, you, you put that plan into place. Um, 
I've got some names that you can pair with Drew Brees today. This was inspired by a couple of emails. We'll get to that. But first, Jacob Gibbs was named the seventh most accurate draft ranker. Or he had the most the seventh most accurate draft rankings according to Fantasy Pros last year. So what's your secret, Jacob? No secret, I don't think. Yeah, just uh, a lot of time that goes into those. Um, and especially this year with no sports for the past uh, few months, that there's been a lot of time going to those projections. So uh, I'm excited to see what the season holds. Maybe I'll finish better than last year. Hope that would be great. Good luck. That's a lofty <laughs> expectation now. So we asked you for some players that you're higher on than the industry. And let's start with Kenyon Drake. We have, I think, six names here. Kenyon Drake, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Paris Campbell, and Zach Moss. Drake, right, yeah. yeah, Drake was the number four running back in eight games with Arizona. And you know people are very high on him, but you must be quite high on Kenyon Drake. Yeah, I, I love Kenny Drake. Um, I actually had an incident with my computer that caused me to lose my projections about a week ago, uh, which is awesome because that's, like I said, months worth of work. Um, but my rankings are saved and they're based on the projections. So like the end results are still there. Oh. And anyway, as I've been rebuilding the one player, I was surprised to see drop a bit in my rankings is Drake. Um, and I have been really high in all summer, like I said, but he's still the RB9 um, for any PPR format, 11th player overall. So a little bit higher than ADP. Um, but just maybe not quite as enamored as I have been uh, throughout the offseason. I think definitely part of that has to be with the ADP that just keeps rising. Um, but as far as Drake, the player, he's he's easy to fall in love with. He was, like you said, RB4, RB3 in some formats after being acquired by Arizona last week. He went off in the fantasy playoffs when people needed him most. I think he had like over 300 rushing yards and six touchdowns in 15 and 16. Um, and that, that backfield was money for fantasy, uh, players all, all year long. And I think we'll probably get to Chase Evans later when we talk about some handcuffs, but, uh, from weeks one through 16, whether it was DJ or, uh, Edmonds or Drake, uh, they combined for 319 fantasy points, which would have been the RB2 in fantasy. So like there's a ton of reasons for liking Drake. Uh, he's in a contract year returning to that role in which he was highly successful last year. Passing volume should be there. Uh, that trio combined for 79 targets on 388 routes run um, in the weeks they started, which would have ranked fifth among running backs. So, like, I totally get why people are into Drake. I really do like him a lot. Um, the thing that has caused me to be a little bit more uh, skeptical of him over the last few weeks as I've kind of redone these projections is uh, just kind of revisiting the stats. From actually the, the backfield numbers in fantasy were really inflated by some unsustainable touchdown production. So that trio combined scored 16 touchdowns in the games they started, which just isn't going to happen again. Um, I mean, they, they did combine to rank 11th in red zone carries and 9th in carries from within the 10-yard line, which is solid. But that's just not the type of role that's going to yield one touchdown per game like it did last year, especially in uh, a middle-of-the-pack offense like Arizona. So, so um, the pros are there, high snap rate, um, heavy ball in the passing game. And I think that does give them a safer floor than uh, somebody like Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs or Nick Chubb whose snap rates are going to be a little bit more dependent on uh, playing positive game scripts. But, but um, the fact that, and I think you might get to this, their lead back only averaged 18 touches per game last year. So if the touchdowns aren't there, I worry that he might not, not have access to, to the type of ceiling uh, that somebody like Joe Mixon or Miles Sanders, who I know you guys all love, have. Um, he is someone I've, I've been ecstatic to grab anytime I get him in the second round. But if his ADP continues to climb, um, if it rises any higher than like 11th or 12th, um, I think he might actually end up being a little overhyped. But uh, like like I said, Chase Edmonds in like the 10th or 11th round, I'm, I'm all about that life. Um, so love love Drake. Um, just am a little bit worried as his ADP continues to climb. You know, it's so um, interesting, Dave. Um, 
when Drake was, you know, going on his run, David Johnson was getting three, four carries a game. Chase Edmonds got two carries in the last five games of the season. Yep. Do you think it'll be the Kenyon Drake show, or do you think it'll be a little bit more of a split? If we're basing it on what we saw last year, the lead back is truly a lead back. There was only one game where the backup running backs in Arizona had more than six carries with the starter getting everything else. And and one thing that I go back to on Drake, and maybe this is just me throwing you know, a cold bucket of water over Jacob's head, <laughs> is that he had over 40, just over 40% of his total production in Arizona in two games. Mm-hmm. That's touchdowns and yards. Just a huge amount of numbers in two big games. But in those other six games, he still averaged around 80 total yards per game. Does that mean he's got a non-PPR floor of eight points and maybe a PPR floor of 11 points? I know that's not what you're hoping for when you're drafting somebody with a top 15 pick, but I'm really comfortable with that floor, and he might even be better than that floor-wise. He might be good for nine or 10 per week, non-PPR, 12 to 14 per week PPR. And I, I think this offense could take off. I think they can run more plays than they did last year. I think they'll be more creative in the red zone. I think DeAndre Hopkins coming aboard helps in every single facet, passing and rushing. It might open things up just a little bit more for Kenyon Drake, who I think has a big role this year again. All right. Let's go to the next guy on Jacob's list, and that is Robert Woods. Um, you yeah. know, obviously two touchdowns last year that stands out. 90 catches, 1134 yards. That was in 15 games He's on pace for 1210 yards and 96 catches. <laughs> and remember the Azer stat I screwed up a few shows ago his last 7 games, he was on pace for 181 targets, not his last 8 <laughs> games. So that's incredible. 7 games, 181 targets. He just got peppered. Um, all right, so I see Robert Woods. I think, you know, maybe once we get to the end of round three, beginning of round four, any anytime 36 or later, that's when I think we start looking at Robert Woods. Um, what about you? Yeah, I think, I mean, everything you just laid out there showcases what a, uh, a high floor Robert Woods has. And you can also add to that that he, he gets extra rushing production uh, that most people, most receivers just don't get. So those are just kind of extra bonus points. I think about 20 fantasy points uh, average over the last two years as a rusher. Um, but I think... Robert Woods, for some reason, has, I don't know, I think it's maybe just been the bad luck on touchdowns or the lack of a role in the red zone. He's been uh, classified as a low ceiling receiver, which is why he uh, he continues to be drafted below some of these other receivers that are really excited, uh, really easy to get excited about. Um, but I think that there actually may be a case um, for Robert Woods having a sneaky high ceiling this year. Um, and this is all speculative, of course. But if I can take just a minute to try to interpret the tea leaves here a little bit in L.A., I, I'd be really interested to hear what you guys think, because I think everybody knows Robert Woods is undervalued, but no one really talks about what his ceiling is. Um, so the last time the Rams had an offensive coordinator on staff was in 2017. They ranked 14th in run-to-pass ratio when in the red zone that year. Um, but in 18 and 19, McVay went without an offensive coordinator. In those seasons, they just really leaned heavily on Gurley and the offensive line when in the red zone they were – uh, the fourth highest rate um, run to pass ratio in the red zone during that time. So LA hired a uh, 35 year old Kevin O'Connell as their offensive coordinator this summer. And his background is really as a passing specialist. And uh, McVeigh has mentioned that the team has to change its approach after a disappointing 2019. And uh, I think most expect that to manifest itself in more uh, 12 personnel. We saw down the stretch with more two tight ends on the field. And that, I think that definitely will be part of the changes, but I think LA could also be more pass heavy in 2020 especially when in the red zone. 
So, I mean, when McVeigh discussed this hire, he almost always mentions the positive influence he expects O'Connell to have on Goff specifically. And I think there's a chance that after moving on from Gurley as the offensive centerpiece and making some changes with the coaching staff, L.A. could return to at least a more neutral approach when in the red zone, not be in the bottom, you know, four or five teams. So even if that doesn't come to fruition, even without a change in offensive philosophy, Woods' target to touchdown ratio over the past two seasons was the worst in the NFL. So like that already suggests that some positive regression was coming for him this season. Uh, he's one of just eight players to be targeted at least 130 times over the past two years. Um, but he has just eight touchdowns during that time. The other seven players on that list averaged 14.4 touchdowns. So like, I don't think you should expect double digit touchdowns for Woods, but I think seven or eight is totally realistic. Um, and like, as opposed to years in the past where he was Goff's fourth or fifth option when they're in the scoring distance, I think he could realistically be the second or third option in 2020. Um, and if they're throwing more often and he is more involved, um, I think seven or eight is totally realistic. And if he, if he had eight touchdowns last year instead of two, he would have tied DeAndre Hopkins for the wide receiver five spot. And that's also with below average efficiency from Goff, which is bringing down Woods catch rate and yards per catch. Um, so I, I think if Goff bounces back and if the team is more passive in the red zone, I think Woods actually could have a, a lot higher ceiling than, than people are giving him credit for. But I'm really curious what you guys think about that. Ben? Yeah, I pretty much agree. He laid it out really well. I mean, I, I think the two touchdowns last year uh, has been talked about a lot. And I don't see any reason why he can't have seven or eight touchdown upside. And, and you know, once you start talking about that, you pretty clearly see a profile of a guy who can be a top 10 receiver. So it's not um, – you know, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I think it's, you know, as we talk about it for golf too, I mean, they just seem so intent on getting Todd Gurley rushing touchdowns even last year. So he's double digit touchdowns every year. I, I just, I think it bodes well for the passing game. Hopefully more touchdowns to go around. No Brandon cooks. Yeah. Robert Woods. You love the safety there. I'm going to get, just get two more guys here. Um, I want one of them is Amari Cooper. So he's okay. been, you know, I don't know if it's controversial, but he's, there's been a lot of disagreement about him on this show. And yeah. I want to know if you... Because one thing that I've looked at, the cornerback matchups seem terrible for him. And you're higher on Amari Cooper than consensus, but I want to know if that is something that you looked at. Um, you know, I'll just get his matchups lined up, but I think it's right out of the gate. It's like Jalen Ramsey and... Uh, anyway, I'll get it up. But uh, yeah, Amari Cooper, why are you higher on him? And did you consider the cornerback matchups? And it's Jalen Ramsey in week one. And yeah, there's some there's some tough ones there because they brought in the Eagles of Darius Slay and the Giants now have James Bradbury and he faces Patrick Peterson. He faces the Steelers. He faces the Ravens, um, the 49ers. You know, did, did that factor in at all for you? I think it's worth considering, um, but especially in what's going to be a really crazy NFL season. Um, I am prioritizing players with upside because I just, I think our already low ability to feel confident predicting what's going to happen is even lower. Um, and I think Amari Cooper is one of the few receivers that's being drafted outside of the top four or five, that tier that maybe ends with Godwin or Julio, d depending on what you think. I think he's one of the few that has the ability to finish as like a top three receiver, um, in terms of ceiling. Um, and so, yeah, it doesn't feel good to be higher than consensus on Amari Cooper, especially with the cornerback matchups like you laid out. I mean, he's super inconsistent. Um, but I think there are a lot of reasons to believe that 2020 could be a huge year 
for Dallas' passing game and Amari specifically. And uh, one of the first ones um, that I think gets me excited about his potential and um, also could could help him avoid some of these matchups. And you guys have talked about it. It's just the potential that he could run an increased amount of routes from the slot. I assume you guys are probably expecting CeeDee Lamb to run most of the routes from the slot. Uh, do you have any read on that right now? Or do you think the I, split? I would bank on both of them taking turns playing in mm-hmm. the slot and ultimately uh, Dallas decoding what defenses are doing to line up against them. Like if they see in, in week one that Jalen Ramsey is sticking to Cooper Lake glue, They'll probably either – I'm, I'm not going to say with certainty that they're going to keep Cooper outside because they might think that it's better to put Ramsey in the slot and make him uncomfortable there because he doesn't play there a lot. I don't know if you can make Jalen Ramsey feel uncomfortable, but I would think that that would uh, open their eyes to throwing more to Gallup and Lamb and just kind of using Cooper as a decoy, which doesn't sound great for fantasy. But it's, I think it's going to be a week-by-week, case-by-case basis by week. That's what I think we're going to see from Dallas. Okay. Anything yeah. else you want to add? Or yeah, yeah. So I just I think that if he does get that slot rate, that um, gives him a huge boost for fantasy. For fantasy, yeah. he averaged uh, two point seven four yards per route run since becoming a cowboy when running routes from the slot, which is much higher than uh, his two point one four from the perimeter. Um, it's the second best mark in the NFL from the slot during that time. Um, and also the fact that he has Mike McCarthy now, I think that's going to increase the passing volume as a whole, especially since they kept Kellen Moore, but also McCarthy has always featured his top weapon from the slot. Um, part of that has been Randall Cobb has been a slot specialist and one of the best uh, during the early 2010s. But uh, even when Cobb was out, Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams in 2016 and 18, we always saw them get moved to the slot as well. So I, I just think if he is playing a lot more routes, running a lot more routes from the slot, and the team is also more pass heavy, particularly in the red zone, um, which is somewhere McCarthy's always been near the top of the league. Of course, that's influenced by Aaron Rodgers. Um, and Dallas has been near the bottom of the league, which is influenced by Zeke. But if it balances out a little bit more, more which I, I'm projecting it, um, I think Amari has the upside to be uh, somebody that is going to finish in that top three receiver spot, and uh, people aren't drafting him that way. But the downside is a little bit scary, too, especially with the cornerback matchups. <laughs> All right. Well, um, the other three that you had were McLaurin, Paris Campbell, and Zach Moss. I, I, I do want to skip back. I guess we have so much to do in the show today. Yeah. Um, perhaps those they'll come up sort of organically throughout the show. We have to obviously talk about Dave winning poker the other night. It was a great night for him. He's very proud of it. He made sure <laughs> yeah. that I brought it up. So good job. Um, Thank you. I'm wearing my Andrew Nimi favorable shirt to celebrate today. That's great. I have no idea what that is. I uh, am the champion, my friends. You don't know who Andrew Nemi is? Everybody knows who Andrew Nemi is. Tell him, Ben. Someone else who doesn't know who Andrew <laughs> Nemi is. <laughs> I feel so much better when other people don't know. Uh, I came in second. Gretch came in third. Do you at least know who Brad Owen is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. there we go. Okay, I'm not going to ask any more questions. Brad Owen, of yeah, course. You're Brad we, and we you go know way what? back. You and Brad both love cats. It's perfect. <laughs> we go way back, me and Brad Owen. Um, Dave had a sneaky trivia question that I don't know the answer to. Go for it. Okay. So who were the top two running backs, minimum 100 carries, in pro football focuses elusive metrics? So it's a combination of missed tackles, broken tackles, both on runs and catches. Here's a hint. They are both played in the same division. And here's another hint. The division is in the AFC. I know one of them. Oh, well, then you should be able to guess the other one. Yeah, who's the first one? So I can check Josh Jacobs. Jacobs was number one. Yeah. And it actually, it 
it, it, it put me over the top to move him up. Philip Lindsay's number two. Austin no, Austin, Austin, Eckler. Austin Eckler. It's Eckler. Yeah, it's Eckler, of course. Incorrect. Oh, oh. that Damian is Williams. incorrect. <laughs> that is- <laughs> it's Damian Williams. Whoa. Wow. I, I couldn't believe it. That's what the website said. Damian Williams was second in elusive rating. Uh, I don't think that necessarily means a whole lot since they spent the first round pick on Edwards Hilaire. And, and we've talked a lot about CEH versus Damian all week long. So I'm not going to do it again, but I thought that was interesting that Damian Williams was up there. And the fact that Josh Jacobs, if, if he's as elusive as that stat says, and I, I watched the film, he was breaking tackles and juking dudes like crazy. He's awesome with, with Henry Ruggs pushing those safeties back. There's there and a good offensive line. I had to give Josh Jacobs more credit, so he has moved up for me. To where? Bit. To where? In non-PPR, he's a he's a first-round pick for me. I will take him in non-PPR. Uh, you know me. I'm always going to take running backs over receivers early. I've got him eighth. In full Evan, PPR? In full I haven't PPR, projected, I, I believe, for the third most rushing yards in the NFL this year. Yeah, week. I've got him 18th in full PPR. 18th so overall, difference. not RB 18th. Oh, no way. Right. Well, you think I'm trying to lose my leagues here, Adam? No, I'm just clarifying. So, um, round one, I, I will take Josh Jacobs in round one in non-PPR. Half PPR, full PPR, give me him in round two. I, no, no problem. I was already taking him in round two in PPR, so this isn't big breaking news there. Is there any like justification? Stay away from Jacobs. Is there any justification for taking Jacob for taking Nick Chubb ahead of Josh Jacobs? I, I can't I can't say so at this point. That's is one of the guys that moved Jacobs over. For it? Yeah, what is what would be the justification? Um, a lot of the splits between Chubb and Hunt were uh, more, t- I think, more touchdown related than people realize. Like that's, he did lose some true. receiving, but people point out his PPR scoring was way worse when Hunt was active. But his touchdowns also fell off. I think he scored six of his eight touchdowns in in the eight games before Hunt came. It's that's a fact. That's exactly. And then right. two and two in the eight games after. I don't expect him to still only score two per eight games or or a four touchdown pace for a season. I expect that he has double digit touchdown potential pretty easily. I think they're really similar. I actually project uh, Chubb to see a few more targets as well overall, like four. But um, I have Chubb as a very efficient runner as well, and he's one of the two people I have uh, projected for more rushing yards than Jacobs. So for me, like in my projections, Chubb comes out higher than Jacobs with a very similar line across the board, but higher than him in, in both scoring systems. Okay. That's interesting. And by the way, Chubb was third in that pro football focus. Oh. Metric. <laughs> That's pretty so. good. Interesting decisions people will have to make between Jacobs and Chubb this year. And I just think that having Kareem Hunt healthy, and I think that's going to make the choice for people that they're going to go with Jacobs. Not that Jacobs is going to be every single touch for, for Vegas, but he's got a share too. But I don't think it'll be as much as, as Chubb will with Hunt. My only thing on Jacobs is you're using a second round pick or first round if it's standard to place a bet on the Raiders. Um, and that's just not something I'm super comfortable doing unless, unless they change his receiving role, but nothing they've done this offseason indicates that they will. Um, and he had, a, I mean, his, his snap rate dropped from 64% to 50% in losses last year. And his touches came down from 24 per game to 16. And I just, I don't know. I, I actually have him projected ahead of Chubb. Um, and he's, he's obviously awesome as a rusher, but I am worried about the volume and I don't. Don't know if LA will be playing with as many leads as they were last year. Okay, Vegas, yeah, put money oh, in yeah. the put money in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, right now, Nick Chubb is going two spots ahead of Josh Jacobs. Goes Chubb, then Eckler, then Jacobs. 
There might be a wide the receiver team, there too. The, the, the team point that Jacob just made, I think is a good one because part of the reason I have Chubb higher is I'm projecting Cleveland to be better this year. I think they're a sneaky team and I've said that and, and they have a much better offensive line. Um, so I and have the Raiders. Scoring, I have the, the Browns have a better offensive line than last and year. And they did last year. Yeah. They had, you're not comparing two teams. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Yes. I um, agree with you. Yeah. They just upgraded both tackle spots in their, Offensive line is very good, and I think their team's going to be a lot better because of that. And I, so I have Chubb projected for a lot more touchdowns, like two, two, two more touchdowns. So okay, I'm going to give a little love to the Raiders. I think you know Gruden's done a better job than I thought he would. Last year, I thought they they really he was my coach of the year candidate. Like midway through, they kind of fell apart. But I don't think they're total trash. They've had a lot of early draft picks that maybe on defense could kind of develop. They. They're going to finish in second place in the division. Wow. Bold prediction. Wow. Which I don't think is I that think bold. Because I think, no, I think, I think all three teams after the Chiefs were projected for the same amount of wins by William Hill, Schrager. Is that right? Remember that? Yeah. We did the projections. Yeah, that was correct. Yeah. So not that bold. But I'll take it, even though I don't really believe it, but I'm riding the momentum of what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Promoting a few things. Um, we've got rankings disputes next week. We got everything you need to know about training camp battles and more. We're going to kind of predict who's going to move up and down in ADP before training camp. And we're back on CBS sports HQ noon to 12 30 PM Eastern CBS sports HQ.com. And of course, uh, you can watch on your, on the HQ app. So if you have like a Roku or an Apple TV or Amazon fire, or whatever, download the HQ app and watch HQ, not just for fantasy, but sports coverage, sports, sports back, baby. So, um, watch HQ and it's 24 seven great sports coverage. It's none of that stupid argument stuff like that. We can't stand anymore. It's just the way you grew up watching sports coverage, CBS sports, HQ.com or download the app. And again, sports line can't emphasize how great of a resource this is. Join sports line for $1 for your first month. And then it's only nine 99 after that gambling sites are like crazy expensive. Sportsline doesn't work that way. And we have amazing experts there as well. Go to sportsline.com. Use the promo code huddle for your first month for a dollar. Follow Jacob on Twitter at J.A. Gibbs underscore 23. At J.A. Gibbs underscore 23. We got some news and notes for you here. Let's go football team. Let's go football team. Or will the champion football team? Football team. The Washington fans have some choices to make as the Washington football team will take the field for the 2020 season. This is their temporary placeholder name, the Washington football team. Okay. Very good, like, generic Madden jerseys as well. <laughs> Have fun with um, it. Uh, yeah, I'm not ripping them. They're they're trying to do the right thing. They are, but we could, we're just going to tease a little bit because their it team name, name. <laughs> is the Washington football team, you know? Like, but the decision to go away from the old name is absolutely correct, right. but they've, they've pulled their teeth for a half a decade or more, actually a lot more than that, but it, mm-hmm. especially the last like four or five years, it's been like every year we've talked about it. And then they they finally are, are not they're doing away with the name, but just pick a new name. Don't be a Washington football team for a whole season and use generic unis. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, think- I almost feel like it's a troll job, honestly. Like they're doing it just to kind of get back at people for making them change the name. Should the Seahawks mm-hmm. sue them and be like, hey, we're the Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Grinch, there's you- two places that both are called Washington. That's funny. Yeah, right. People don't know that. There's a there's a district and a state. Um, Grinch, you get a haircut? My wife cut my hair. Looks good. Good job. Yeah. 
She nice did a good job. job. Last week, she cut it. Yeah. Mrs. Gretch. All right. Mike Zimmer signed a contract extension, and Antonio Brown is no longer retiring. In fact, he is demanding an, the NFL to complete their in, its investigation so he can find out when he's eligible. I've always sort of agreed with that. Like, it does seem like an NFL investigations are endless. But I have no sympathy for Antonio Brown. Okay. Uh, let's read an email. Email of the day number one is from John in a city in Rhode Island not named Providence. Oh. Uh, it's not a big state. Hard to come up with another name. I don't know if I've got one off the top of my head. Don't is it Family Guy in Providence? Like, what's the city called there? They're in Quahog. 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 Yeah. There we go. That they're in. Are they in? They're not in Massachusetts. Oh, they're in Rhode Island. You're right. They're in Quahog, Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Deer, Polk, Mahone, Slim, Charles, and Cheese. No, and Jacob, no. No idea. This is apparently the Wire. The wire. Oh. oh man, I should have got that. Mm-hmm. All right. So this email. From John in Quahog. Every year I look into Breeze and Big Ben's home road splits to see how they line up to possibly pair them together. And this year it's looking spicy. Breeze, his ADP is roughly 84. Roethlisberger is roughly 130. Draft them both and this is what you're looking at. And he gives us the, the player that you could play every week. I won't go through it all. But, you know, for those of you who don't know, Drew Breeze, his points per game in six point per passing touchdown leagues at home the last five years, four of those five years, it's been 27.4 fantasy points or more. Like He's just unstoppable at home. And three of the last five years, it's been 18.6 or less on the road. So if you just commit to playing Drew Brees only in home games and looking for other options on the road, if you choose Ben Roethlisberger, um, there are only four weeks where you'd have to play a matchup against a team that was top 15 in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks last year. Uh, there'll be only four times when you're forced to start one of these players on the road. Uh, the playoff matchups don't look great. That's the only problem. Week 14, it's either one of the, it's either the Breeze at the Eagles or Ben at the Bills. Week 15, Breeze is home against the Chiefs. Week 16, Roethlisberger's home against the Colts. So you do get home games from Breeze and Roethlisberger. Week 14's tough. Uh, but that's an interesting one. Roethlisberger might be the best answer. I looked at other possibilities. You know, I think Daniel Jones really might be a good one to pair with Breeze. His first two matchups aren't great. Bears and Rams on the road. But then these are just when Breeze is on is on the road. Redskins, Bucks, Redskins, Bengals, Seahawks, Cardinals. So, I don't know. I have somebody. Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor, Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff. Those are the five quarterbacks I found that had the best matchups to pair with Breeze, but I think Roethlisberger might be the winner. So, any merit to this, Dave Richard? I think it makes sense. I don't think it would hurt you to, to give it a shot. I mean, at, at the very least, everybody feels good starting Drew Breeze when he's at home. And most people who play fantasy, they'll deal with Drew Breeze when he's on the road because sometimes he can be pretty good on the road. And just the, the idea of adding another quarterback to go with him and to play the matchups based on where Drew Breeze is, I think Roethlisberger is a great quarterback to pair with anybody just because he's a great cheap quarterback on draft day that could end up finishing as a top 10 option. There are photos circulating on the uh, Twitter sphere showing Roethlisberger losing a lot of weight. He looks kind of svelte. I like it. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Um, So again, the names I gave were Mayfield. Like if you, if you went with Mayfield 
and you just cared about the start of your season. Well, no, he's not a great example. Tyrod Taylor, maybe. Depending on how you feel about the Chiefs' defense, it would be a home game for, for the Chargers. Chiefs, Bucks, Jets, Jaguars, Raiders. Those would be the first five matchups for Taylor while Drew Brees is on the road. Of course, that stretches into week nine. I don't know if Taylor's still going to be the quarterback at that point. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. You play Brees at home, and the, fir- and the three times you have to sit him, the first three times, Rodgers has Detroit, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay. You know, you could consider that. Uh, so it was interesting. Last year, it was Lamar Jackson who had these great matchups. Didn't matter what the matchups were for Jackson, it turned out. But uh, here's a question, a follow-up for Jacob. Do you think that Drew Brees will be as dominant at home without any fans? Do you think that will well, have any impact? Yeah, that was something I was thinking about. Um, I mean, he's still playing on the after turf, but I, I don't know. I, it's, I don't know if that's, I hate things like that that aren't quantifiable. Um, I was thinking as you're laying out the strategy anyway, that unless this is a deep league where you have lots of bench spots, I wouldn't want to employ this type of strategy just because I don't like keeping two quarterbacks on my team, especially if one of them is so independent like Breeze. Um, so I would probably just be looking to stream on the road splits, but, um, yeah, I really don't know. I don't have an answer for, the home road switch with uh, with the new look NFL, it's gonna be crazy. Well, Ben Ben always laughs at me when I bring it up. Like he <laughs> he just thinks I'm stupid. I think yeah, the the crowd is quiet when they have the ball. Yeah, but it's the energy. There's energy. They feed off of it. All right. <laughs> like I don't think it would have a big impact, but I don't know. There's no way to quantify that. I don't know. It Why? might have an impact on the other team that's coming to visit and doesn't have to deal with the crowd when they're on offense. I'm I'm almost positive. Like he's so good in primetime home games. I brought that up, and he while he's so good at home in general, I'm pretty sure he's like even better in primetime home games. So why is that, Ben? I think it's because of the energy. I I mean maybe. <laughs> why would that be any different than because it's um, primetime? It's night. All the they're wait, fired wait. up. So what you're suggesting is the New Orleans fans, great fans, all of our great loyal listeners in New Orleans, don't actually get excited for games that aren't primetime. Oh, they do, but they get extra excited for primetime. Uh, let me ask you a question. See, I think let me ask you he question. just knows he's on primetime. That he might knows be true. He's, also. he's got the spotlight on him. Yeah, that might be true. Also, uh, but let me ask you this: Washington's got they're they're eleven and zero, and they got the Apple Cup their last game, right? That's what it's called, right? Against Washington State? Yeah. And you and they say to you, okay, fans, you get to choose day game or night game. What are you going to choose? You're going to be there, Ben, for this big game. They're number two in the country. I mean, you need to be there. I don't understand what your point is, but I always night like games, going to day more energy. Games. Fans are more I always love going to day college football games and would probably pick the day game. Oh, that's so weak, man. Night games are the best. There is nothing like a night college football game. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get to another email. Email of the day number two is from Colin in Canada. Hey, guys, you're the best in the business. I should have read this before I went on my whole nighttime fans rant. We're no longer the best in the business. Well, he said guys, not you have the best host in the business. <laughs> <laughs> While watching your July 23rd show, it dawned on me if they made a movie about CBS fantasy football today, who would play who? Here's my casting. Heath would be played by Nick Cage, rocking a deep... <laughs> <laughs> rocking a deep uh, v-neck <laughs> he is just letting the v-neck hang like let the chester hang out on youtube <laughs> adam i think jesse eisenberg would be a good one to play you no jesse's got to play jamie it's the role he was literally born to play 
I think this might kill Jamie, but I think Jesse and I have more in common than than he and Jamie. Like, oh, oh my God! <laughs> I think Jesse would be a better fit for me. <laughs> you go to text him immediately, Jacob. You may not know Jesse Eisenberg and Jamie Eisenberg are, are I think they're first cousins. They're cousins. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're first cousins. They're yeah. like brothers. Yeah, very. I close. think I have more in common <laughs> with Jesse Eisenberg. Ben Channing Tatum would play you. Then. I mean, what? I'll take it. <laughs> oh, they're definitely talking about me. <laughs> oh, that's right. My bad, my bad. Yeah, they always get the Ben's confused. All right, doing? let's go. Who am I? Peter Griffin? George Clooney is Jamie. And to me, Dave is the hardest, but I'd say either Russell Crowe or Jack Black. <laughs> Can you go any I take it. farther on the spectrum there? Russell Crowe uh, or Jack Black? I'll take Jack Russell Black. Crow. <laughs> yeah, Jack Black would be fun. He'd be a good, yeah. he'd be a good Dave Richard for sure. All right, thank you for the email. Um, and uh, we got to talk about handcuffs. Let me let me read one more question here. This is a, a debate inspired by Teddy, one of our listeners. Is it okay to sit a DST if you already have a lead going into Monday Night Football? He won his league last year. He was losing by three going into Monday Night Football. His opponent could have sat the DST but didn't, played the DST. The DST scored negative three points. Or like, yeah, he was down by like 2.8 points. His DST scored negative three, and this guy won. Uh, I said it's ridiculous to be even be able to do that. You should have to play a DST no matter what. What do you guys think? Should you be able to sit what? a DST going into Monday Night Football? What do you mean you should have to play a DST? Like, why? Oh, you should have to play a legal lineup. You should, you should have to play something that can't help you do any better than you've already yes. done, but could potentially make you lose. Yes, because it's not fair because the other guy, the other or girl, the other player in this matchup could have had a DST that scored negative points, but their DST played on Sunday. They don't get this luxury. What? That's just the schedule. I don't think, I think it's cheap to, to take a player out of your lineup. But uh, should it be illegal? Yes. There's no arguing that it's cheap. Terrible A's or take. No, I don't you, you Just explain someone who lost their championship because they didn't take the DST out of their lineup. That's an action that they, as a as an, uh, a manager of a team, did not do, and it cost them the, the championship. And you're saying that they shouldn't be allowed to do that? Correct. They should be allowed to help your team? All it is is this. You have to field a legal lineup and start a legal lineup every week. That's all it is. Gibbs, what do you think? I, I agree with Ben. I'm not going to lie. Come on! Dave, you agree too? Yeah. Look, I think it's it, really? I, I think it's cheap, but I don't think it should necessarily be illegal. Shraggy B? Oh, I totally agree. I think you should definitely be able to do it. One thing you have to keep in mind, though, if it's like a one-point lead, those stat corrections on Thursday morning could get you. So I, I'd love to do it. 2.8-point lead. I'm I'm sitting the DST. Yeah, I just... I don't know. Like, you, you, I just don't agree that you should be able to sit any player. I think you start a lineup. That That is really interesting that all four of you... Well, I thought I thought everybody would agree with me because you know why, Dave? We don't play any That's, leagues where you, you can do that. You usually think everyone would agree with your terms. No, takes. are you kidding? You I never expect that. Terms. I never. <laughs> <laughs> we don't play in any leagues that are like that, so I'm surprised that that you would agree. No, we just have classy competitors. Who and it might have happened in one of the leagues that we're in, and we just don't know it. Ben, let me ask you this: You're playing in a points league for baseball. Um. And I, Jacob Gibbs, you play base, you play fantasy baseball, right? Yep. All right, all three of you play fantasy baseball. You're playing in a points league. You're up by two points going into Sunday night baseball, last game of the week. You've got a hitter left. Do you really think you should be able to bench that hitter? Because he could score negative points by striking out. You really think you should be able to bench that hitter? 
Yeah. I don't. Yeah. If you have daily lineup transactions, why can't you bench? Yeah, you've you won gotta, the match. You got to put a it's spot. The end of the week. You got to put a player in that lineup. That spot. made your argument worse. <laughs> All right, you, I mean, you know what? I think it kind of did. We're gonna take a break. I got to regroup and talk about handcuffs when we come back on fantasy football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Guest of honor, Jacob Gibbs, are you a, uh, are you a handcuffer? Do you draft your starting running backs back up? I do not handcuff. I think it's a, a low upside strategy. So I'm I'm playing to get first. Anybody else? Anybody uh want to weigh in on that? Do you handcuff? I am this year. Hashtag COVID nineteen. Yeah, that's a good point. Ben? Yeah. Same? I yeah, I guess a little of both. I almost never do on on uh, the same vein as what Jacob just said, but then this year you kind of have to consider it, I think. And I have, like it, I have done it, it a little bit. In the case of Saquon Barkley, I don't know if it's really worth it because I think his backup is going to end up being Deion Lewis and he'll probably end up sharing with Wayne Gallman if for some terrible reason Saquon misses games. And that's not really going to help you. But there are a lot of other running backs who are real-life backups to really good starters, and they're pretty good too. And I imagine that we're about to talk about them all. The obvious handcuffs are that people will take are Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Latavius Murray, Chase Edmonds. I think Edmonds deserves it. Yeah. Are those, so those are the big four. Uh, am, I, Evans am I missing anyone? Absolutely in this tier. Yeah, Darrington Evans. Yep. How about Geo with Joe Mixon? Because he's been pretty I good completely when Joe Mixon's agree. been out. Two years ago, I mean, Mixon played 16 games last year, but two years ago, Bernard had uh, 14 and 20 non-PPR points, 19 and 24 PPR points in two games without Mixon. Mm-hmm. I love Gio. I, I've struggled with him because I took him late in some earlier drafts, but um, Travion Williams and, and, and Gio's mm-hmm. getting a little older. I, I'm a little concerned that it might be a split if Mixon misses time. Right, but we don't know if that would be the case or not. And I liked Travion coming out. He was one of my favorite running backs that year. But we'll see. I think if I'm drafting Joe Mixon and I want to have that backup plan, I don't think Gio is a, is a bad choice for those people who draft Mixon. Plus, you can literally do it with your last pick unless you draft with Heath Cummings. If you draft with Heath, he'll take Gio before you get the chance. But most people aren't targeting Giovanni Bernard on draft day. And so you could literally take a yeah. DST before taking Gio. Would you guys count Zach Moss or not? Because he kind of already has a role. Yeah. I mean, him and Kareem Hunt come to mind as well, but we're probably not counting Kareem Hunt, I assume. Right. They're they're kind of expensive handcuffs. Well, Moss is not. Like 
diamond studded. Like, like Philip Lindsay and Zach Moss are going in the tenth round, and considering that they will have a role, and you might be able to play them as a flex if you need it, like in a bye week or something, and that if Melvin Gordon gets hurt or Devin Singletary get hurt, there's pretty big upside. Um, I think the tenth round feels pretty good for Lindsay and Moss, and I would I would go so far as to say that. If you own Singletary or um, or Gordon, that you probably really should should be looking at Lindsey and in Moss in the tenth round. We haven't yep. named probably the best one, and he's also expensive. But I think J.K. Dobbins is probably the the highest upside pure handcuff. We he, he'll he'll play, and we you know he could get the Gus Edwards role. But I think the reason to draft him is if Mark Ingram misses time, the upside. You're probably not thinking of him as a flex like you might be some of the other guys that. Adam just mentioned. Uh, he's so excited, but he's 68th overall. I, I don't know. For me, the handcuff is more of a late round pick. Okay. Right? right. I mean, you're pretty... Right. Dobbins isn't that. Yeah. Not anymore. No. Not- I'll give you one more. Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. What about if you have McCaffrey? Then you don't need to get Mike Davis or Reggie Bonifone. I mean, yeah, they're not going to be well, anywhere near So, so here's, here's the issue I have Samuel. with this discussion when people poo-poo handcuffs. If one of those running backs gets hurt, who's going to be the number one player on waivers? Who's going to be the, the oh, player that yeah. that people spend 60% of their fab budget on? Right? This is a very highly sought-after player a lot of times. It doesn't always work out. But this player becomes a must-own. So, Jacob, I'll throw that to you since you don't like doing it, and a lot of people don't. Um, no, what's your response to that? For Carolina specifically? Uh, no, no, because I can understand, like, we don't know who it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be a great situation. But if you draft Ezekiel Elliott, why wouldn't you take Tony Pollard? You know if Zeke gets hurt, everybody's going to want Pollard. He's going to be 100% owned by by Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess the one that might not get drafted that has the potential to play a three-down role, um, been mentioned already, is Darrington Evans. Um, it depends on how deep your league is. He's getting drafted in a lot of leagues, but... Um, yeah, that's, that's probably, that probably my answer. Um, I think we've already hit on a lot of the other ones, but you just don't want to waste the roster spot on Pollard if, cause you just think as long as Zeke's healthy, you, it's just taking up space. Well, if you guys like handcuffing, you would actually hate, hate drafting me because I go out of my way to draft the Pollards and Chase Edmonds because I think they do have the upside to be a, a difference maker. Um, if the starter gets hurt. So I get those guys, even if I don't have the starter on their team, cause I think they have more upside than the other running backs that are going in the draft range. Um, That's what, so, but I th- then I think you, I feel like you do handcuff then. I well I don't handcuff because I don't have a starter. I just take those guys because they have the upside that a lot of the other backs don't. But it, okay, but if you did the lottery have, ticket. Yeah, but if you did have the starter, you would take those guys because you take them anyway. He he said it's a low upside strategy because if you're picking Ezekiel Elliott, you're already committing a ton of your draft capital and your overall team for this mm-hmm. one roster into Ezekiel Elliott being good. Or else yeah. you're probably not going to win. Maybe you have Tony Pollard to fill it in, but if Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, you, you know you're you're going to have some drop off with Pollard, and it's probably not going to work out perfectly. Where you're still going to be as good as you could be if you have Elliott and you take Darrington Evans and Derrick Henry gets hurt. Now you yeah. have Elliott and Darrington Evans. Gotcha. So you're saying so, Jacob, you're less likely to take Tony Pollard if you have Zeke. Uh yeah, yeah. I okay, so. I get you. Yeah, and I go the opposite direction. I I I want to I want to improve my investment. In Ezekiel Elliott, because I'm already, I'm doing what Ben already said. I'm putting in this huge amount of draft capital 
into the Dallas Cowboys run game. And I know that the guy directly behind Ezekiel Elliott, the one who would get Ezekiel Elliott's workload if Zeke were to miss time, is a pretty good player, too. Is it going to be exactly as good as Ezekiel Elliott? No, but he could be 80% of them. So I'm absolutely targeting Tony Pollard. I'm going to prioritize Tony Pollard if I if I draft Ezekiel Elliott. But it is. And I'm doing the exact same thing. Sorry, I'm with with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, especially if Dalvin Cook is threatening to hold out and might not be there for the start of training camp. And I'm drafting before the start of training camp or in the early days of training camp. I don't know why it would be because that would be a waste of time. But Madison would absolutely be a high priority for me. But it is kind of. Um... You know, I don't want to say a low upside strategy. It's it's an insurance policy, right? But you're using yeah. two picks for one spot, and it doesn't always even work out that way because one of the issues with handcuffing is the guy that we're identifying preseason isn't always the one who's ready. I mean, Madison's a great example. Last year, he was hurt when Cook went down, and we had uh, Mike Boone as the the waiver wire pickup. Um, but what? If, but what if that. what if Madison had stayed healthy? Like he could have sure, won you your fantasy a- championship. There's a lot of examples of that, and it's not it's not um, like if you look at it from a, a broader perspective. I've seen studies on it. Like it's it's typically not the person that we expect in the preseason, or not maybe not typically, but it's a, it's often enough that it's a problem. Uh, yeah. and, and then the the big thing is like what I was just laying out. Like Dave's Dave's doing an insurance policy. It makes sense, but he's using two roster spots for one potential starter. The other example that Jacob is describing is potentially two starters, right? Like the, those two roster spots could become two starters if it's not your running back, but someone else's running back who gets hurt, which is why it's a high ceiling situation, right? You can wind up having a lot of really good players on your team. Yeah. But if you, know. you do, if you do Jacob's situation and Zeke gets hurt and Derrick Henry doesn't, then I don't you know. Maybe, yeah. It's high variance. And you have zero right. good players. First or last. Yeah. <laughs> right. And maybe, and maybe the philosophy behind that is, well, if, if my first round pick goes down, my chances of winning the league aren't very good anyway, but I think right. you're safeguarding it by doing the insurance policy. It really just depends on the running back and whether or not they're good. Like I like the Panthers example is a perfect one. Like Mike Davis might not even be 50% of Christian McCaffrey. And that's if he's the guy. So let me go through the top like 20 ish, 15 to 20 running backs. And you tell me, who you would handcuff, and if you would handcuff that player, who you know, who's the backup? Christian McCaffrey. No, I would take Bonifant, but I'm not handcuffing McCaffrey. I took him in the, the Scott Fishbowl's 24 round draft, and I didn't take Bonifant. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sa- Saquon Barkley. It's Gallman as the handcuff, and I, I don't think I'm taking him in a regular 12 team, 15 round draft. I have Deion Lewis as the number two here, but I, I wouldn't take him either. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they'd split. Like yeah, last year, Like this is my point kind of on why handcuffing is not a bad idea if you can do it. Wayne Gallman started one game. Or he might have started two, got hurt super early, but he, that one game, he, he, he had 63 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He had 55 yards and a touchdown in the air. He had a huge two-touchdown game. He was a weak winner. Then he got hurt. Uh, the Giants have Deion Lewis, so it's kind of messy now. Wait, was that was that your argument for why he was worth the pick? I mean, I he would had not that have debate done it. during the season last year. I, yeah, I, because like ultimately, like he just went and got hurt himself. Like there, it's my my point would be that's not a guarantee, right? Like it's not a guarantee that Barkley missed multiple games that you're going to get multiple games of Gallman playing at a Barkley level. You did get one, yeah, but I, then he got hurt. Right. Okay. And was that I, worth the twenty percent of fab that you spent? What's up? What am I supposed to, to say? Like, I'm not going to take a handcuff because my handcuff could get hurt. 
Yeah. No. no. No, that's what well, kind of philosophy is that? That doesn't yeah, make that, any sense. The philosophy is you take a running back on a different team. Like what my point is like you thought you had you used two roster spots to lock down the Giants backfield. I didn't. You didn't even lock it down. I didn't lock it. Okay, both guys got hurt. There's not much I can do about that, but I didn't take Wayne Gallman. I was just saying my Wayne Gallman stepped in and won you a week. Latavius Murray had two of the best weeks of like No one's saying that running backs step in can't be good. I mean, not they, just like, good. At Lata- the end of yesterday, look show. at Latavius Murray. Look what Latavius Murray did last year in the two games he started. He had over thirty PPR fantasy points in both games. I think this is right around. Not there. a point that yes. I'm arguing at all. Right, so that's what I'm saying. That's that's why it helps to have the handcuff. It, it just saves you so much trouble and waiver space or waiver moves. All right, back to the exercise here, so we can read our <laughs> Apple podcast questions. Zeke is Tony Pollard. Camaro is Latavius. Dalvin Cook is Madison. Derrick Henry is Darren Ted Evans. Joe Mixon, we heard us talk about that. Maybe it's Geo. Do you think about handcuffing Miles Sanders? I think if he goes down, they're probably going to sign someone. Um, I mean, I like Boston Scott anyways, a lay-round option, uh, especially yeah. in PBR formats, and I think he could be more involved. Um, obviously, if Sanders goes down, but I don't think he would be a three-down back. Do you guys? No. I don't know if he would be, but I, I have Boston Scott as one of my favorite late-round running backs right now. Yeah, right, because he's got some good PPR standalone value. Right, and then if he does get any kind of uptick in the rushing role, if there is an injury in front of him, that's where the monster upside comes from. As a guy who already has the pass catching role and then earns mm-hmm. the rushing yep. side. I mean, that's mm-hmm. been true of it was true of Devonta Freeman back way back whenever when when Tevin Coleman got hurt. It was true of David uh, David Johnson before mm-hmm. his breakout mm-hmm. season. Uh, there's a million examples. I don't know why those are the only two that popped into my head right away. But oh, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders last year, late last year. He had 30 point upside right away. I mean, it's it's always Austin Eckler. All right, right? we're never he gonna finish guy. here. So uh <laughs> uh Kenyon Drake is Chase Edmonds, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. I think it's AJ Dillon, although you know, I talked to Jamal Williams trainer and they, he's saying that Jamal Williams is you know great shape and learning to be a better pass catcher and gonna vie for a spot in the slot in Green Bay's offense. I think Dillon is still the one I would take. And then battle for Jamal Williams off the waiver wire if it came to that. Nick Chubb, not really because Kareem Hunt's too expensive. Austin Eckler, if you had Austin Eckler and you wanted a handcuff, who would you take the shot on? Joshua Kelly. Perfect example of why you wouldn't handcuff, in my opinion. I'm leaning more towards Justin Jackson now because of the the rookie stuff we've been talking about. That's one situation where I'm going to side with the guy who's been on the team. Josh Jacobs. That one's Jaylen a mess. I think it's Richard, and he's certainly the one who has that passing role, so he would see an expanded role, but I don't know if he's particularly great as a rusher. But he, he'd I, probably see an uptick. He never, they never give him work. I mean, well, they might have to if there's no Josh Jacobs. Well, Jacobs missed three games last year, and I'm looking at... Well, they had DeAndre Washington. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe, they but they have never shown the willingness to give... I think he has one game in his career with 10 carries. That, that sounds right. So, something like that? So, well, yeah. let me look at their depth chart real quick because I mean, I'm this, blanking this on This whole exercise is just erroneous. I just want that on the record. No, it's not. This whole exercise, <laughs> we're trying to be precise about something that the whole point is, is imprecise. Well, is, is that not fantasy football? Is that not sports in general? They what? have Devontae Booker. They've got Rod Smith and Lynn Bowden on top of Jalen Richard. It would be ugly if Josh Jacobs went down. They'd have a bunch of pass-catching running backs. Might be good for Derek Carr. Bone's a fun guy to target, though. All right, let's Is he going to get enough targets? 
Oh, here we go. Apple podcast questions from Josh. <laughs> I'm wondering how many players that are drafted first in their position finish, finish first in their position that same year. That's rare. McCaffrey did it just now, just recently. No, you know, he what? was like third last year. He was year. third Barkley last year. was one. Um, I think receivers okay. do it fairly right. occasionally. Antonio Brown's Antonio definitely Brown done it. it. Quarterbacks rarely. Like Drew yeah. Brees did it back-to-back years, and I don't even think he was the number one quarterback. Kelsey Kelsey is one, yes. Um, Pass catchers are – it's a lot and Gronk, Gronk was that guy once upon a time. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. the position. I think I think Gurley in 2018 was the number mm-hmm. one pick, and he finished in non-PPR as the number one running back. And I think he finished points per game number one in PPR, but he was he was behind McCaffrey and Barkley. Um, but no, look, it's, it doesn't happen that often. It Who's, happens more commonly at the pass-catching positions, for sure. Wide receiver and tight end. Mm-hmm. Who is the one player that's going first? at his position that you're most concerned about not finishing first. What's the quarterback ADP? Is it still Mahomes over Lamar Jackson? I'll tell you in a second. I mean, they're practically tied. It's Kelsey McCaffrey and Michael Thomas and Mahomes. Oh my gosh. They're, they're, their ADP is almost identical. Mahomes and Jackson. Yeah, Jackson would be the one year for this too. This is a really interesting year for this because McCaffrey won RBs by a, like, we're saying how often does the number one player repeat, but part of why McCaffrey wasn't the number one last year is him and Saquon were really close the year before the last year. McCaffrey dominated the running back production uh, by like a hundred PPR points. Michael mm-hmm. Thomas dominated wide receivers. Lamar Jackson dominated quarterbacks. It was a weird year where the number one in every position was way ahead. So maybe this year we're like, it's hard to see Michael Thomas not doing it. It's hard to see Christian McCaffrey not doing it again when they were that far ahead last year. So I would make the case Thomas. for Thomas. Michael Thomas, yeah, I, Jacob? I actually have Devontae Adams ranked ahead of him. So uh, yeah. wow. I would take him ahead of Thomas. Yeah. yeah. I think it kind of took a perfect storm for Thomas to get where he, he did last year. I expect uh, Alvin Kamara to be a lot more involved in the red zone this year. Um, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who I don't think will have a huge impact, but he is there. And uh, I think that perfect storm situation we saw for Thomas last year is what we're seeing for Devontae Adams this year. Um, touchdown aggression is definitely coming. I think he could run more routes from the slot. Uh, he's actually led the NFL in fantasy points uh, per target from the slot over the last two years, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think it was definitely a case to be made, whereas at the other positions, it's tougher. Our next question from Justin in Atlanta. I was curious if Tariq Cohen and Chase Edmonds are underrated in your opinions. I looked up the seasons Foles played the most, 2013 and 15, and in the games he started, he targeted running backs uh, 5.3 times per game in 2013 and 9.63 times per game in 2015. Also, Kenyon Drake hasn't had a significant workload since high school, but Chase Edmonds isn't considered one of the high-end backups. Well, he is for us, for sure. Um, so I think we agree that Edmonds is underrated. Is Tariq Cohen underrated? Yes. And that's the immobile quarterback slash scrambling quarterback who throws to that running back's more thing. He noted full stoves was running back a ton. Cohen had one of the quietest 79-catch seasons for a running back you'll ever see because he was very inefficient, but they're going to keep using him in that role. Like, they don't have anyone else. David Montgomery's not good. Sorry. Okay, next question. David Montgomery could be good if his offensive line was a lot better. Fair. But it's just it's not there. And Cohen played half the snaps last year. All right, next question. I'm in a 12-team PPR Superflex Dynasty League. I'm set at quarterback. I have Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield. 
Uh, I have Mike Evans, Eckler, Diggs, and Kittle. So pretty good team. Superflex PPR Dynasty. He traded my 2021 first round pick, three second rounders, a 2023 third round pick, <laughs> LaVisca Chenault and Cole Komet, got A.J. Brown, Alan Lazard, and Darius Geis. So, traded away Chenault and got Brown. Oh, no. Yeah, but he also traded away a first round pick, three second rounders, and then a third round pick in 2023. And Cole Cole Komet, basically for A.J. Brown plus Lazard and Darius Geis. He's got the best player who could help him win now, and he gave up a bunch of question marks to do it. Easy win. Yeah. Okay. And this is from Paris. Hey, Cecilia, Nick, Robbie, and Jessica. I don't know. I don't either. 12-team, 1QB PPR Dynasty League. Who wins this trade? Kyler Murray, Kareem Hunt, Robert Woods, and 1.4. Kyler Murray, Kareem Hunt, Robert Woods, and 1.04. That's a lot. Wow. For Daniel Jones, Mark Ingram, and Amari Cooper. Ooh. The what? The Kyler the Murray time. side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big time, the Kyler Murray side. Woo. Yeah. 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 I mean, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, the Kyler Murray side. Okay. That was easy. Hey, Jacob, thanks thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. Sorry uh, to cause uh, a little disruption there with the, the handcuffing, but uh, it's not a it's not <laughs> right. way to go. I, I don't we you. like handcuffing. It, we like, it's we like a decision everybody's like going to have to make. <laughs> J.A. Gibbs underscore 23. New Girl, Adam. What? Oh, man. New Girl? I love that show. How did I not get the What were the names? Oh, Cece. The hell calls her Cecilia. I would have got it if you had said Cece. Get out of here, Paris. <laughs> Tricky little trickster. Um, at What was it? At J.A. Gibbs underscore 23, right? Yeah, still got the underscore in there. Sorry. Michael Jordan yeah. fan? Uh, it was my number back when I played basketball. Yeah. Michael Jordan stole it from him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Okay, uh, that's, uh, that's this week of Fantasy Football Today. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy your weekend, Wednesday or Monday. Monday we're back, not Wednesday. Rankings disputes. See you later. Go in your Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.